Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The mark of true generosity. Uh, It's a term they called uh, humble bragging. I don't know if you've heard it. It's a fairly new term. Uh, Employers use that now to gauge if the candidate for a job really has the humility to be able to hold on to that job. Now, humble bragging is defined as someone uh, seemingly trying uh, to downplay whatever it is they've done, or downplay something about them. But in the process of conveying that, it's actually bringing so much pride to what they do. Uh, for example, if a candidate uh, is being interviewed, the candidate would say something like, I really didn't deserve the race that I got in my last job, knowing that I have a reputation for being hard to get along with because I'm a no-nonsense person. On the one hand, that statement has elements of humility in it. Uh, I really didn't deserve that race. But the reason why says a lot about how this person wants to brag about what kind of person they are. And employers see through that. Well, Christians do it too. Yeah, we do it too. We say statements and testimonies like, I went to Starbucks one day and I saw this homeless person and uh, I was just going to get myself a cup of coffee, but I ended up buying the person an entire breakfast. So far, so good. But as I left that place, I started crying because now I feel how God feels about poor people like that. And I know God is pleased with what I have done. Humble bragging. Okay? If you're doing that and you find yourself saying things like that, <clears throat> God sees through that. If man can see through that, how much more can God see through it? We're in a series we're calling Poverty of the Heart. And of course, that has to do with celebrating humility. Why is that important? Because the rest of the world is celebrating pride. You're a Christian, you don't celebrate one of the seven deadly sins. Okay? You celebrate humility. The world has twisted the concept of pride to mean something very different from the, uh, the revealed um, truth about what pride is. Like I said, it's uh, one of the seven deadly sins. But our world is defining it as as being proud of who you are and what you want to be, regardless whether it's right or wrong. We twisted it now, and we're trying to celebrate it. The same way the world has twisted the concept, concept of love. When the world talks about love... It's simply saying that they want, it wants the freedom to love whomever you want and whoever you want 
to spend your life with. Now, that may sound good, but biblically that doesn't work because the Bible never equates love with sexuality. The Bible never equates sex with love. The Bible says sex is for one man and one woman in sacred marriage for the rest of their lives. That's the only teaching the Scriptures has about sex that is positive. But now we're trying to say that, okay, love and sexuality has to be dealt with together. What it's really saying is that we just want to do whatever we want and to whomever we want to do it to. You see, love and, and sex... Uh, don't, don't mix as far as definition of those two terms are concerned. You simply cannot. What, what the world says about love is to, as they connect it to sex, is that, you know, you know, a child can have sex with another person that's older. If you really take that term as to how the world wants it to mean. You cannot become a Christian without the humility of the heart to accept what God has revealed in His Word. Nobody can enter the kingdom of God without the poverty of the heart. And that's why this series, the premise of this series is to connect humility with authentic worship. God doesn't accept any type of worship without the poverty of the heart, without humility. Last week, we looked at the issue of prosperity and how we looked at that term and somehow twisted to mean simply that we can have anything we want and ask for from God, and, 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 and that's, that's what that means. We also looked at blessedness and how those terms can be twisted to mean something else that the Bible tries to teach us. Humility is the mark of true worship. So we dealt with blessedness, we dealt with prosperity, and this morning we're going to look at humility as the mark of genuine generosity. I'll say it again, that these messages point us to the relationship between a humble heart and the worship of God. So we're going to look at Giving generously as part of that authentic worship. Let's read our text uh, this morning, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. Paul writes, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier make, made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. 
But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that through, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. Whatever we give to God must stem from the generosity of the heart. And a generous heart, obviously, must be a heart that is humble. The two go together. Generosity and humility goes, go together. Let me give you a little bit of a background. Paul was addressing in this letter, part of Paul's objective was to address the need of the Christians in the Jerusalem church. So he was trying to collect uh, money uh, from the Corinthians, asking them to support that need that their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem uh, was having. And in the process, the Apostle Paul gave us this very thorough appeal and very thorough teaching in the area of giving. You will not see the word tithe in this entire treatment of giving. Why? Because Tithing is an Old Testament concept. It's a tax that has been given from the temple to God's people in order for them to give 10% of the portions of everything they have. Jesus came and he fulfilled all of those requirements. So now that tithing principle, which still so many Christians think applies to them today, is no longer valid for us because we are in Christ. In Christ, God doesn't want 10%. He wants 100%. That's an important concept because even Christians have, a, have a, a different understanding of what it means to be generous in Christ. Tithing or giving 10%, if you really look at it biblically, is just a starting point. That's why you never hear me uh, harp about that kind of thing. You've got to give your tithe. No, no, you, you, you have to give 100%. That includes yourself. That includes a whole lot of things, not just your money. And we're going to learn about that. We're going to learn the connection between, uh, you know, true humility and the generosity of a person's heart. And I know some of you are probably rejecting, you know, Pastor, that's why, that's why we don't, you know, we don't have a fancy church. That's why we don't have all these things going on. Because, you know, you don't preach tithing enough. I've, I've heard all of it, people. Listen, you got to give 100% to the Lord. Okay? He owns the cattle in a thousand hills. He doesn't need 10%. He really doesn't. You know? There's a lot of pagans and atheists and agnostics out there that have more money than you. So don't try to connect God's blessing, God's prosperity, or for something that is materially visible to every, for everyone to see that, oh, I'm blessed because of all of this. And I resent that because worship cannot happen in our lives unless we have the humble heart that is generous. Okay? The tithe has been replaced with a heart that is generous. Okay, that has been replaced. So every time we collect the offering here, what's, not, what's, be, what's being measured is not the 10% or whatever percentage. What's being measured is the generosity. 
Okay, so a few foundational truths about generosity produced by the poverty of heart or a humble heart. And it's, these are foundationals. You, you, you're not going to get any kind of profound insight or revelation. But this is from the scriptures. This is from what we just read. A few principles that we, we want, uh, uh, truths that we want to lay down in our hearts this morning. First of all, generosity of heart is a sacrificial decision. We need to make the decision to be generous sacrificially. Okay, look at the verses again, verses 1 to 2. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. I want you to underline those, uh, that sentence. Verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in them in rich generosity. Paul was commending these Macedonian Christians who were not only going through severe trials, perhaps being persecuted for their faith in Christ, and they were not only that, they were extremely poor. Not just poor, they're experiencing extreme poverty. And these Macedonians, you will know this, they were not crying out to God. It's amazing. If, every time I read this, it boggles my mind. The Macedonians were not only ex- experiencing severe trials, not only experiencing extreme poverty, okay? But you notice that they were not crying out, we want social justice. We want food justice. We want reparations. Economic justice now. They were not feeling like they were victims at all. What's the difference? They have a joyful heart. Where did that come from? It came from the grace that God has given them. In the midst of their poverty, in the midst of their trials, God saw their heart and replaced their agony with joy. Why do you think that is? Because God saw the poverty of their heart, not the physical poverty and trial that they're going through. Jesus saw their humility. I want you to underline that this morning. I know, I know you've heard that before, but it, it helps us. Because the, the, these Macedonian Christians, they didn't see their extreme poverty. They didn't see their extreme trial. They saw the grace that God has given them. That's the key phrase. They saw God's grace in the midst of all of that. Why is that crucial? Because the Bible says in James 4, 6, God rejects the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's in the Bible. These Macedonians were not making this up. The joy that they have, it wasn't fabricated. It wasn't concocted. It wasn't wishful thinking on their part. The Bible says that they received grace from the Lord. Literally, Jesus gave them the grace to be generous in the midst of all of that. The Macedonians weren't crying, Pastor, I cannot give up. 10% 10% because I'm really poor and I'm really in this severe trial. None of that. God rejects the proud. Gives grace to the humble. They were humble and God gave them a generous heart. Loved ones, it's never, 
ever the quantity of what we give. It's never ever the quality of what we give. It's humility. I know we've heard. It's not the quantity, but the quality. Forget that. Not the quantity, not the quality. It's humility. They relied on the grace of God. You know, there's a story in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, that clearly exemplifies this from the words of Jesus himself. You're familiar with this story. So let me read it. Very short. Verses 1 to 4 of Luke 21. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Well, there it is. Was Jesus opposed to the giving of the rich? Is he rejecting the gifts of the wealthy and only accept the gifts given in poverty? Of course not. Again, we need to measure the gifts according to its significance and value. But the gift is measured not in its value, but in the sacrifice involved in the giving. The decision to give sacrificially is an act of generosity and we see it in people all the time and we admire people who do that, maybe unconsciously. But we admire people who give of themselves sacrificially. Jesus did it. That's why we admire it in people. You know, I saw a picture of Bill Gates. I'll never forget that picture. I don't know if you saw it. I mean, it's probably online. You can look for it. I saw a picture of Bill Gates lining up to a uh, uh, you know to get a hamburger from this very very modest hamburger stand in a very very modest neighborhood. Yeah, there he was, Bill Gates. You know, now I I I, I don't want to judge Bill Gates. I don't know who he is. I don't know him personally, but that picture speaks loud about you know the guy. You know you know I mean. He didn't need to line up to get a burger from that burger stand. He didn't have to be in that neighborhood. No, he didn't have to. He can probably buy the street it was in. Okay? But the fact that we see someone, you know, standing in line and doing all of these things, we kind of admire that. Why? Because there's something about sacrificially giving that, that reflects the, char- the character of Jesus. And Jesus kept warning Especially the Pharisees in, in the New Testament about this. You know, when you, when you give, it, it, has, it has to, to be generous, it has to, you have to decide that this thing is going to cost you. I don't know why God wants it that way, but that's a reflection of the generosity of God himself. He could have just saved the world. And say, well, you know what? Let's call it even. You know, you guys are messed up. Let me just save you, take you all to heaven. End of the story. Then again, we wouldn't have church, right? We wouldn't have to do anything. Yet God decided from the beginning of time to be generous sacrificially by giving his one and only son. We received the best that heaven allowed. So at first, generosity produced by the poverty of heart 
will decide to sacrificially give. Okay, sacrificially be generous. Okay, doesn't, it doesn't matter the amount. It doesn't matter what it, but if it costs you and I, we reflect the generosity of God. Again, don't ask me why that is. But Jesus thought on it. Jesus says, don't, don't let the left hand do, know what the right hand is doing. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't be jealous of those people who have a lot of money. They already received their reward. But you need to worry about how your heavenly father sees you in secret. Because that's how he rewards you openly. So there's a sacrificial element to generosity. And you cannot and I cannot be generous without sacrificially deciding that what we give will cost us. Right? Everything we do in the church, whether it's the, the financial support, has to be given sacrificially. All right? You know, and, you know it's, it's, uh, it, it kind of eliminates the problem of the tithing. <laughs> you know? Because when you give generously, it's not the amount, it's the sacrifice involved. There's a second uh, truth about this generous heart, and that is it has a desire to serve. Service is desired by a generous heart. Look at verses 3 and 4. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. Now listen, these Macedonian Christians were going through severe trials, severe persecution. They have extreme poverty, okay? But that produced in them generosity. I mean, that doesn't equate. Believe me, if you know, it, the math doesn't show up in that one. The, the equation doesn't match up. But nevertheless, it did. And not only that, look at, look at these verses again, 3 and 4. For I testify, Paul says, that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You want to measure if you're really generous, if you're a generous person? There it is. There is a desire to serve God first, and then a desire to serve God's church. There's a desire to love God, and there's a desire to love His church. Generous people see serving as a privilege, not a burden. Uh, these Christians in Macedonia urgently pleaded to share in serving Christians in Jerusalem. They saw a need and they want to fill it. And again, it is rooted in the poverty of their heart. It's rooted in their humility. Can you imagine somebody pleading, saying, please let me help. Please let me give. How, you know, if, if all of us take on that attitude, pastor, please. I plead with you, please let me give. You probably will say, I'm not Macedonian, Pastor. <laughs> but you can, you can really feel uh, the, the, the love that they have, that their desire to serve in that capacity. That's generosity. Okay? The Bible says they gave as much and beyond and entirely on their own. They don't see it as a burden. They saw it as a privilege. Please, pastor, let me sing special number. Be able to practice. Please, pastor, let me help with the finances. I don't mean giving. I mean counting the money. 
I can go on and on. But the Bible says that generosity is not something we are born with. No one is born generous. It has to be cultivated in us by the Spirit of God. It has to be cultivated in us at the new birth. No one's born generous, loved ones. If you doubt that, you know, look at the kids. Look at the babies. All right? They're born selfish. You know, one pastor called them uh, uh, vipers on diapers. I thought that was funny. So I stole that. If you leave it up to the kids, they're going to give you and I a primer on selfishness and they're doing it while being cute. All of us were born selfish. So the heart must change, amen? So we can give generously. This happens only if the heart has been transformed and has been humbled by the Spirit of God. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.